The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to a special crossover edition of NBA Today and Hoop Ball Maps. That's right, we both right here. I got the host of Hoop Ball Maps, Lawrence Brooks, here. You can follow him on Twitter, as you all know, um, at LBSaidit, L-B-S-A-I-D-I-T, host of Hoop Ball Maps. We're doing a little uh, a, a run on both. We're talking Mavericks, and you know, I, we both had some um, off-season previews I'm doing, and well, Lawrence is all into the Mavericks, so we're like, hey, let's do this. So um, it's gonna it's gonna be double the fun because we got double the double the dope guys up here. So uh, Lawrence, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Even though you know we're kind of both uh, exactly so we here tonight. <laughs> so exactly. uh, shout out to all my Hootball Mavs fans and Mavs Nation. Um, it's been a while, but uh, now with the season cranking back up, it just like they're being. Uh, rush back to action and we're kind of being rushed back to action too so i want to make sure that we're fully informed and in getting this offseason going or um for the upcoming season going off on the right foot yes sir definitely yeah and you're right like stuff's moving fast speaking of moving fast the season's on the way and hoopball hasn't been slacking either me and lawrence are back at it with our content and hoopball's been at it too it's uh been a huge week for all of us uh, lawrence knows just as much as me because this entire season um for the first time all of our NBA season products for the 2020-2021 season are finally for sale. So we got some stuff. We got the hoop ball draft guide. That's like our flagship shiny beacon. That's just the most comprehensive draft guide that's in fantasy, period. Um, our guys are in 400 players deep again this year. But that's not all we got. We also got the Brewski 150, which is a fancy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years. For context, it's been 10 years from this year where the Lakers won since they won the championship last year. I'm a Lakers fan, got to throw that in there. So just think about how long that is, that, <laughs> that the Brewski 150 has been at the top of the list. But we also got the membership plans. And, uh, Lawrence, I know you know about the, the DFS pass and the, the draft guide, the Brewski 150, the wager pass. What, what are you excited about this uh, new stuff coming out? Um, I'm, I'm most excited about the rankings in the Brewski 150 because I want to see how everyone is going to be ranked and what the summaries are for everyone. I mean, it's such a comprehensive list. Um, and with this season coming up, the you know, with all the low management being uh, being considered, some guys coming back from injury, um, some guys that that looked a lot better going into the offseason. And now with such a quick turnaround, maybe there's a little recency bias or maybe people still don't believe. So it's really good to see the sleepers, some of the guys that might be ranked a little higher and just the adjustments and rankings overall. So I'm just excited to just look at the talent pool and see where everyone um, see where everyone is placed based on this upcoming season. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm telling y'all, it's best to get on this now. Like we already said, NBA season is very soon. We have the NBA draft next week from when we're recording this now. We got free agency a little bit after that. Um, on the fantasy side, Yahoo Basketball or Fantasy Basketball League just opened up. So definitely make sure to follow that. And the best place to do that is on HoopBall. So head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter right now to get all your information on that. Again, hoop-ball.com and then follow HoopBallFantasy to get all the info uh, for everything you need for fantasy basketball. It's time to level up, y'all. And with HoopBall, y'all can do that. But uh, me and Lawrence are about to level up on these Mavericks here. So uh, let's get down to Mavericks, Lawrence. I mean, it's been a year for them, uh, you know, acquiring Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, in addition to Luka Doncic off of a 
great rookie year building off of that, and, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, Rick Carlisle worked his magic, and the Mavericks got to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. They finished 43-32. and 32. That was seventh in the Western Conference. Um, they were first in offensive rating by a lot. They had the best offense in, in league history. I mean, they were 18th in defensive rating, so, you know, middle of the pack, back half of the pack there, but they were solid as well. Uh, they pushed the Clippers to a six-game series. Luka Doncic balled out. They, they finally did bow out to uh, L.A., but Lawrence, in general, when you look at this Mavericks team, the highs, the lows, what do you remember? Um, I think when I look at the highs, I think it's just it seems like everyone maxed out on this season. I mean, you know, Luka was all world. Chris Stapps, Przingis, he was, you know, he started off slow. But once he finally got his his legs under him and, and got back used to to the grind and, and transitional phase of NBA basketball, he was right back where he needed to be. And then everyone saw how he was in full form um, in the bubble, averaging 30 and 10. It was it was almost like we were right back to the New York Knicks days, uh, Christoph Porzingis. So it was good to see everyone max out. I mean, Seth Curry shot the ball, shot the ball really well. You had Jalen Brunson before he went down, was playing really good off the bench. Um, I can go down the list. Dorian Finney-Smith, he shot career numbers from the field. This was the this year he made most three-pointers per game that he's ever made. And granted, he was a guy who wasn't looked at as a three-point shooter, and he came into this season extremely um, improved from the three-point line. You had Dwight Powell before he went down. Same thing. And it's just it's, it's not a coincidence that with so many guys having such, you know, highlight-type years, that it was it all equated to them having the best offensive rating ever in basketball, and not to mention with when when you have Luca basically spoon feeding you open threes, it's really mm-hmm. easy to just be ready to shoot, and that's exactly what they did. They kept the floor spread and they knocked the ball down at a high rate. So it was it was very interesting to see them. Um, you know, it, it's very rare that you see everyone on a roster play to their max potential, and I think that's what happened this year is everyone played really well to their max potential. Yeah, and you and you said it. Luka Doncic, obviously the engine of, of this great offense, but you had all these role players step up at a very high level, knocking shots down to a very high clip, and and that's honestly what kind of led them to where they finished up, which was, you know, seventh in a, in a really deep West. It's nothing to be ashamed of, especially considering the top of the pack, you know, with the Lakers and the Clippers and, and, and to a lesser extent Rockets and Nuggets there as well. So that was pretty good. But on the low side, what do you look at as any lowlights? And obviously the first thing that comes to mind for me is, and I'm sure you're going to mention it, injuries. Uh, Dwight Powell being yeah. lost for the season. Kristaps um, Porzingis um, battling injuries not only during the season, but then also during the playoffs that, that kind of hampered him. But is there anything else in the issue with issues that huge? I uh, you know, What are you thinking about the Mavericks lowlights uh, this past year? Um, I think as, as far as lowlights go, I think that's I think you just hit the nail on the head. And that's what I was going to mention as well. I mm. mean, I think there's just there will always be this lingering feeling of the what if factor. I mean, what if, you know, what if Chris Stapps doesn't get ejected in game two and, and they go on to win that game and that ultimately beat the Clippers in the uh, in the first round? What if Dwight Powell doesn't go down? What if they don't lose Jalen Brunson um, as they're gearing up for a playoff push? Um, then they don't end up with Trey Burke, who who is a guy that they might look at keeping this offseason as a spark plug off the bench. So there's a lot of different factors, and it's just all what if. When you just look down the line, it's just what if this – what if that? And it, and it all revolves around players that they had playing and that were playing well. Um, the only other what if I might say 
is what is what if what if they have um what if they had another secondary ball handler or another secondary playmaker besides Luca? How how well can that team play? And we'll get into that a little bit later in terms of their future and what they should be looking for and, mm-hmm. and how they can get better for next season. But it was very apparent throughout the year and even more so in the playoffs, everything lives and dies with Luca's ability to generate offense. And as a team, you know, that's great through the regular season when there's not as much extensive prep, when you're playing against, you know, maybe two out of the five teams in a week that are a playoff um, caliber team. When you're just not playing against guys that are really trying to stop you on a nightly basis as opposed to as opposed to playing guys, you know, in a seven game series that are really gearing up to to eliminate you from a game plan. It's totally different. So I think that I think that's one thing that maybe throughout the season, aside from the injuries that could have kept them from, you know, they were a surprising seven seed. But maybe if they have another guy that can generate offense, maybe they're a five seed. Maybe if they get, uh, maybe if they stay healthy, they're a four seed. We, we'll never know because the season's over. And thankfully, <laughs> at least you know we have the season coming right back to us. That's true. And this is a question I was curious about. Given how well the Mavericks played the Clippers, even you know being uh, hampered, injured, having that suspension, everything that happened in that first round. And then given how early the Clippers exited, you know, in that just demoralizing 3-1 uh just giveaway to Denver. If the Nuggets, if the Mavericks were fully healthy, what would be your prediction for that series looking back? With the benefit of hindsight being 2020, do you think they could have shocked the Clippers in round 1? Do you think it would have went the same way just albeit maybe 7 games? Obviously Luka had that game winner, I think it was in game 4. So that that was something that came into play as well. But just a full straight Mavericks team against a Clippers team that, I mean, just was better, yes, but didn't exactly play that way. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think they legit could have won that series. And I say that because not because on paper it looked like everything said they should have lost that series. But the way Mm -hmm. it turned out, if it turns out the same exact way, but you give Dallas a few more bullets, so to speak, I think they can win that series because I think when it boiled down to it, as the as the games got tighter, it became easier and more predictable for the Clippers to hone in on who they needed to stop. And it was no secret. It was it was Luca. And especially especially once you had no more Porzingis, it really became easy to to I mean, well, I wouldn't say easy because Luca showed why he is probably gonna be a top three player maybe as early as next season. But but it's just one of those things where He's the, he's all they have. What else are you going to stop? They don't have any other stars out there. So if you add a Dwight Powell, if you add a Chris Stapps Porzingis, if you add a Jalen Brunson, um, all those guys are, are, are big contributors. And so if they're there, who knows what happens in that series? I think those guys make a big difference. And that could have been the tipping point. I mean, even if you don't add a Dwight Powell and Jalen Brunson, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're still having um, – if, if Porzingis doesn't get hurt, that is still a legit case to be made that they that they win that series. So I, I think for them, they, they just ran out of firepower, and it, and it was just guys being out. Yeah, I think you're right. The Clippers just healthier bodies just outlast them. And you're right, the lack of another a secondary playmaker, a secondary offensive initiator outside of Luka Doncic really hurt the Mavericks. I mean, you do have some inspired play from Trey Burke and, and Tim Hardaway Jr., but, you know, the type of players they are, that was only going to go so far. So I'm right there with you in terms of how it ended up happening. Um, 
let's kind of transition more to the front office and the coaching staff. Obviously, the Mavericks have had the same uh, continuity for a while now. Rick Carlisle's been the head coach of the Mavericks since 2009. Don Nelson, as a manager, has been in charge since 2005. So wh- what do you think about them in general heading into this year? How they've been able to put pieces around um you know, not just Luca this year, but just in general retooling. This was the first time they'd been in the playoffs in four years. Uh, remember, they did lose in the first round in 2016. So, uh, just evaluating them on 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 a whole, what do you think about um, the Mass front office? They're pretty stable. I mean, do you, are you confident that they're going to continue to find pieces and diamonds in the rough and make moves that can, you know, help to um, supplement the bench and the unit around Doncic and Porzingis? I, I think they're definitely they're, Dallas is always a team that's looking to make things happen in the offseason. It, yeah. it might not always be it might not always be splashy and flashy, but they're always looking to get better. So that's one thing that you can always count on for the Mavs. And then they're just rock solid at, at the coaching position. I mean, Rick Carlisle, to me, I've been saying it for years, but he is a top three to five coach in the league. I mean, schematically, situational basketball, out of bounds uh, plays. I mean, you name it. He is a guy who is who is in at the at the top when it comes to X's and O's and being able to, to showcase talent because there's so many coaches who have guys and they can't f- figure out the right fit or can't figure out how to maximize a guy's ability. Rick Carlisle has shown that year in and year out. I mean, even when you go back to the times where he had, you know, a Deshaun Stevenson and a <laughs> Jason Terry and a Sean Marion who you know, most could say was a little bit past his, his prime, but they still he still knows how to squeeze the juice out of every player he has. And that still continues to this day. But also, I have to give a lot of credit to Daryl Armstrong and God Sham God. Both of those guys were very um, vital to the to the development of some of their guard play. I mean, they had really good guard play throughout the year. Um, Seth Curry is a guy who I mean, obviously, he's talented. But he just stepped it up a notch. I mean, and he was top three-point shooter on the season. Um, he he improved on his um, playmaking ability. He's not he's still not the greatest playmaker, but he's still he's a respected playmaker because of his shot-making ability. And then mm-hmm. when you added Jalen Brunson, who was given solid minutes off the bench, then you bring in Trey Burke and you integrate him into the system and you get him find a way to get him going. I mean, the list goes on. And Luka Doncic speaks for itself. I mean, he is who he is. He's going to be coached, but when you have a generational talent like that, he's going to ball regardless. But those two guys were very um, deserve a lot of credit for for the guard play that's going on in Dallas because they've just realized they've figured out a way to get those guys to play to their max potential while already having the ability to do certain things. And now they just fit into a scheme. And Rick Carlisle has met has has meshed the system to their abilities so well. Yeah, and I think you gave a great point because a lot of the guard play for the Mavericks has been so good. I've been on guys on, you know, decent contracts, minimum signings. It's not like Dallas is, you know, bringing in these really top-tier free agent guards or these major guards in in trades. These are guys that, you know, are coming in kind of on the fringe of the league or or guys in, in Seth Curry who are, you know, decent rotation players, but a little more than that. And they're being made into guys that can really outperform their role in a major way. You just mentioned what happened um with them this year, but Tim Hardaway Jr. specifically, you know, night and day improvement, um, bringing in Trey Burke and seeing how he improved. He's been kind of bouncing around. He has some value in this league, of course, but the way that he's been playing with Dallas, 
is that is that role. And you're right. They've been doing this with guards for years. You, I mean, J.J. Barea was someone who you saw him in the Dallas experience. You saw when he left Dallas and went to Minnesota. And you saw when he went back and how he played. And and they've done this before. Devin Harris, you can go down the list. Raymond Felton had a renaissance year in Dallas, a renaissance right. couple of years. So these guys, you're right, that Dallas brings in, these, you know, decent middling kind of guards that can be stars in their role. Um, obviously, I think they're maybe too confined in one specific role to be the type of help that Luka Doncic needs long term. But in terms of having a solid supporting cast of guys, yeah, I completely agree with you there. And and that's something Dallas has been pretty good at. I mean, they've had a couple of rough years, um, the last three specifically, you know, not not, not having more than 30, 33 wins in a year um, from 2017 to now. But this steady improvement, you've seen them kind of pick it up. And that's been great to see. And their offensive rating has just flourished. It's gone up every year since 2016. So uh, pretty solid there for them for sure. And, you know, I, I, I guess you have any thoughts on that. I guess we can kind of go into the players on the roster um, and who's still under contract uh, for this team. And so I guess we can start with with the straw that stirs the drink. What was your evaluation, Luka Doncic, here, man? Man, um, we could be here all day for me talking about Luca. I think he's, <laughs> you know, he's he he is an elite facilitator. He's an elite playmaker. He's he will become an elite shot maker. But you know, for a guy who is, you know, for the numbers, the numbers will say he's an inefficient three point shooter, and especially on step backs, those don't necessarily fall at a high enough clip. Mm-hmm. But I I put a lot of stock into a guy making big shots. And while he might miss some throughout the game, you might see him have a dry spell where he's where, you know, he goes cold for a quarter or two. But when the chips are in the middle of the table, he makes big shots. And there's something to be said for that. So I I, I love his I, I love his, I guess, clutch gene, if you want to label it that way. He's a guy who, who who's reliable when the, when the game is the closest. But overall, I think when you talk about how their offense is, it has run all season and I mean he has been the the engine to that I mean and he just he he brings so much to the table and it's so easy to just put everything on him um, because he just makes it look like it's not a big deal I mean he he's the point guard he's almost the shooting guard at times but he can get everyone an open look he can get to the free throw line um he can put your team in foul trouble so he controls the pace of the game I haven't seen anyone that can control the pace of a game like that other than LeBron he can literally get the game at his own pace at will and that and and that's a very special quality to have as a guy whose usage rate is so high um defensively he'll get better but you know how much can you rely on him defensively as a guy who has so much offensive responsibility which to, goes to my other point which if you get you know another playmaker or two out there you can have him invest more energy on the defensive end but I also don't have, you know, I don't have any qualms with him defensively. He's a willing defender. He's not he, he's not out there just olaying and, and letting guys go right past him. He's actually trying to get down in a stance and play. But he's young. That's the side of the, of the court that still needs developing. And that's for all young guys. That's not just him. Um, that's just something you, you learn as you, you know, start to navigate the nuances of the league, how you can defend, what are your capabilities, who are they going to put you on. He'll find his way. But he's a generational talent, and there's not really anything you can do with him. There's not nothing that he can't do um, on the offensive end. And because of that, Dallas is going to always be a threat. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and, you, and you said it. There's so much that he's able to do that. 
I mean, he had one of the best seasons just in general. I mean, forget just being a 20-year-old NBA player because those go up with Magic Johnson, LeBron, you know, uh, Anthony Davis as, as dominant years. I would say more so LeBron and Magic than Anthony Davis, though he had a pretty good uh, year himself in 2013-2014. In but just in terms of all across the board, just greatness. You know, for, for instance, LeBron, 2005, 27 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists a night. Not just 28 points, 9 rebounds, and I mean, nine, 8 rebounds, and nine assists a game. That, that's insane. He played, uh, this I found on Mavs Moneyball, shout out to them. He played just 1.1 minute, more minutes per game than the previous year, but increased his points per game by seven, increased his assists by two, and his rebounds by almost two as well. Like, he had, like you said, complete control over the game, even against the Clippers. And they did their darndest to try to, you know, knock him out of his rhythm, beat him, you know, bang him up, um, borderline dirty, if you ask me, in terms of Marcus Morris' play on him. And 100%. he still kept his composure, huh? No, I said 100%. Yeah, I didn't like that play at all. And and you can say what you will, but if you we, we, we play basketball, you know how that is. That's now, you know, no, and now that, that was just cheap. But even with that, you know, Pat Bev, all these guys in his in his in his grill trying to take him out, and you know, they even put Kawhi and others on him at times, it didn't matter. He was still just that dominant. And so, I agree with you it, easily. I think, uh, finishing top five this upcoming year. Um, he had so many triple doubles. He had a, a, a season high of 42 points, 12 assists, and 11 rebounds against the Spurs. And then just not even 11 days later, he did it again with Phoenix while getting 11 assists and making 15 free throws. That game four against the Clippers, 43 points, 17 rebounds, 13 assists. That was insane. The only player that had anything even close to that was Rule Chamberlain. A game like that in a regular season, uh, if you want to know, a 53, 32, 14. I don't know what was going on in the 60s, my bro. I don't know what was going on in the 60s. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. But fortunately, I mean, Doncha still on his rookie deal, making $8 million next year, which, I mean, that's just a steal. Just an absolute steal. Uh, has a team option for the year after, which means the Mavericks more than likely locked this guy up long-term. Um, you hear him, they, they call him the next Dirk, but, like, in-term, I, I, Dallas wants to keep him. And I think that their culture and the way they'll build around him will make it so that he will stay. But moving on from him to another guy who kind of formed, a, I, I guess, like, a, another head to the Hydra slash, just a really good supporting cast guy who kind of moonlights as a star. Uh, Christoph Porzingis, uh, making $29 million, 25 years old. Uh, he has two years left, uh, plus the player option. He did come over in that trade from the Knicks uh, for the season, 20 points, just under 10 rebounds and just under two assists a game, uh, 35% from the from the field, a 20 PR. What, what do you think about Porzingis? Because he was injured often. I thought he had moments where he looked really dominant, but I, I don't know. Uh, like like we were saying, Luka needs more help, and, and I think that would extend to Porzingis as well. So, so what are your thoughts on Kristaps and his entire year for Dallas? Um, I think he had an up and down year. I really loved how he finished the year. That gave me promise that he could get back to his old form um, because a lot of, for a lot of the season, that was kind of the, you know, kind of the elephant in the room is did he, you know, did he lose the superpower? I mean, he used to, you know, he, I, I talk about guys a lot and, you know, what makes them special? What's that one superpower? What's their X-Man calling card? And for Zingas, mm-hmm. I mean, he, his versatility and his, you know, his lateral movement and being able, just the agility he had for a guy seven four, is something that you just rarely see. And when you start to get lower extremity injuries, and not to mention multiple lower extremity injuries, mm-hmm. you, just, you start to start to wonder, can you still be that same guy? And for him, it was already, you know, questionable. It took him a while to get back into his form when, 
he had the first one and now he goes down with another one. So if I'm the Dallas front office, I don't know if I really feel like I don't know if I still consider him a quote unquote star. I think I see him as a um, as a high end third option if I can find someone else that can feel that, you know, a Bradley Bill. I mean, not to say that that's who they're going to get, but if yeah, of course. That, <clears throat> that easily pushes Porzingis to being the third option. If you get a um, if you would I mean, even if you get a Drew Holiday, I think that puts Porzingis at a third option. Um, you know, I think you just need a stronger, I mean, and then when you go into free agency for next year, if you can get a guy like Paul George now, granted, I know a lot, he, he catches a lot of flack for, you know, his playoff shortcomings, but still, if you can play alongside Porzingis and he can just still be a number two, long as he's not your number one, you're still in good hands. And so that would push Porzingis to a third option. And I think at this point, if I'm the front office, that's what I'm leaning towards is hoping that hoping that I can bring in a, another reliable star, mm-hmm. stable piece, and just let Porzingis be a third option guy that, you know, doesn't have a lot of tough assignments, forces forces teams to put, you know, lesser defenders on him, and he can take advantage of guys with his size and shooting ability. Because at this point, I just don't know if he can, if you can go back to him. It'll And it'll all depend on how he bounces back from this injury because, you know, with modern medicine, these guys are coming back stronger than ever, more often than ever and you know and and these guys are still being able to play at a high level and I think he'll still be able to play at a high level but I just don't know if he'll go back to being the guy we once seen and so that would be an area of concern for me and pushing me to find another legit star and then you know deal with Porzingis you know accordingly I agree I kind of see some weird kind of similarities between um Porzingis and um Paul George for the Clippers where like they came in as, and I think this year for different reasons, injuries for um, Porzingis, I think more inconsistency slash maybe a little bit age for George, even though I think his game will age well. These guys are maybe are, are better served as third guys that have third wheels that are kind of masquerading as second bananas and that is there a universe where that can still be successful? Yes. Um, is that universe the Marvel universe? More than likely. No, but in terms of like, is that something that's going to be happening here? You know, I, I I don't know. You're right. I, I would like someone to kind of come in, maybe another wing guy, maybe a guard. You did mention Bradley Beal, and, and you did say, of course, not him specifically, probably, but someone of that ilk. Yeah, you know, whether it's a Drew Holiday or whatever the case may be, um, I think that would be a better fit as far as someone who can then take on that equal role from uh, Doncic and then kind of give Porzingis some more room to breathe where he doesn't have to bring a monster game every night, even though he had some, but then he's not looked at for his flaws because I don't know if he's that player just long-term. I mean, he wasn't the franchise cornerstone the Knicks expected, and maybe he's just a really solid long-term player, but not like that go-to guy. So I'm with you on that. I mean, the dude was an all-star, you know, for what's worth. He's still had a very good stat line. Like you said, the end of his year was pretty solid, but those are just my thoughts on Przingis as well. So I'm kind of right there with you. Though to other guys, um, we can kind of just kind of do this in a group. These are kind of the rotation guys. I'll start with just three. Uh, we'll go with Delon, Delon Wright, Max Kleber, and Seth Curry. These guys really had their own. Um, I mean, before injuries came, and Delon Wright just kind of not really being a factor in the playoffs. But these guys helped Dallas kind of power through their best offense in different ways. What do you think about? Um, those three that are all still in the contract for, you know, and, and, and more of them a couple of years. I know Seth Curry is on um, for two more years looking at under contract. And then you have, um, let me just make sure I have this all right here. 
you also have Delon for another year and Max Kleber for two years as well. And uh, Curry is 30, Kleber is 29, and Delon Wright's 28. So these guys are, are, you know, more in their prime in terms of being a rotation level contributor. So what, what do you think about those guys? Um, I think I think Maxi and I think Seth, both of those guys should be priority to be kept. I think Delon Wright can be a little expendable. Um, I, I I think if they can, you know, for instance, if you keep Trey Burke, yeah. you get um, you get Jalen Brunson back, and let's say in the draft you, you you take a Cole Anthony who could fall to you, or you get a or you get a um, or you get a R.J. Hampton or a Tyrese Maxey. Do you really need still need Delon? I mean, he does give you some defensive versatility that you know a rookie wouldn't offer, but he's also not commanding high minutes. He's not a guy who's considered to be a a nightly contributor or a big contributor off the bench. So when I look at those guys, you know, sometimes those guys can be expendable. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think with Maxi and Seth, I think because both of those guys shoot the ball um, so well. More so Seth than Maxi. I think those are two guys that you're putting a more premium on keeping because you're almost running into a logjam at the guard positions, and you just need to figure out who's most important to keep. And I just think Delon Wright is one of those guys who's just, um, you know, just by the process of elimination and just yearly transition, he could be a guy who could be expendable. Not to say that he that he doesn't offer anything to the team, but I think that the front office could look at him as a guy that that they could see you know, being replaced at some point. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle him. I personally don't don't think that they should get rid of him, but I can understand um, if you want to move on from him, if you feel like you want to get a guy with a little more offensive firepower because that has limited his playing time at, at different moments throughout the season is because he doesn't shoot the ball as well. And kind of in their system, you need shooter as many shooters on the court as possible. And I mean, and that's just the NBA today in general. So if you're not playing heavy minutes, what else are you giving us um, that we can leave you on the floor that makes us extreme or that that creates value for yourself? And mm-hmm. while he does create some value, maybe it's not the most value for the Mavericks uh, system. So. So, yeah, I'm, I definitely have to keep Seth and Maxie. Maybe I get maybe I get DeLon Wright, um, you know, put him in a trade package and try to find something this offseason or just look to let him go um, next year because once next year come, I mean, you're going to get a few guys off the books anyway because that is the golden free agency class that you just want to have all hands on deck. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's a really good nuanced take there. I appreciate that, man, because you're right, um, especially with like we talked about Carlisle and his ability to kind of make magic out of these small guards. Um, it is interesting to see kind of what he would do with those guys that you mentioned and, and maybe having a higher upside offensively than you would get from a Don, right, who is only getting older. So that defensive value may eventually get lost. Well, no, may and it will eventually get lost, but just a matter of will it be on Dallas or not. So I'm with you on there. Um, Let's talk about Dwight Powell. You know, his season, unfortunately, um, was cut short with injury. Uh, he played well, – just a little over half, uh, nine points, five rebounds, just an assist a game. Uh, he definitely tried shooting the three ball a lot more. 25% tells me that was limited success. Um, 66% from the free throw line. Uh, what do you think about him? He was someone who had an interesting dynamic as just a great role guy um, to kind of put that vertical gravity on the rim um, in contrast with Porzingis' ability to stretch it from the outside. But um, his loss, even though he is a, a rather, I'd say, limited offensive player, uh, was a huge loss to Dallas. So what did you thought about Dwight Powell's season? And, and moving forward long term, I mean, he's 29. 
Dallas did get an extension before this, and you know now he's coming off an injury uh, alongside age to a, a guy who relies a lot on athleticism. Yeah, I'm hoping he can get back to his to his pre-injury form. I mean, he was playing really well up until that point. Um, he's a he, and again because Dallas lacks defensive presence in the front court. He's a guy who actually, you know, could could knock down a three or could put the ball on the ground one time and um, shoot a shot. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to create off the dribble like that. But you had to respect him with the floor being spread. But he's also great in in the fast break setting. It's like he's a guy who gets out on the break. He's a guy who can finish well. And obviously his athleticism is what stood out. Um, so hopefully he doesn't lose that with his injury. I know he went down with an Achilles injury and those are the yeah. tough things to come back from. I don't know what his timeline is in terms of being back and how well he'll be able to bounce back. But at least with the season starting later than it would have been from when he went down, he probably definitely wasn't going to be ready to start the year. But maybe he can get back in January, February and be back at full tilt. But they will need him because he was proven to be extremely valuable before uh, before his injury. And a guy who started the game, I mean, he was only averaging nine points and five rebounds a game. But he was at almost a steal per game, and he was at 0.6 blocks per game. And this is for a guy who plays on the perimeter. Um, So if they can get him back, I think he's extremely valuable to what they do. And sometimes that's all it's about. It's not about how much, you know, league-wide value you have, but how much team um, team-specific value do you have. And for the Mavericks, he offers a lot of team-specific value based on how he fits in that system. I would agree. I would agree. The the skill set that he has yeah, on other teams would not be as required as much or, or even looked upon as fondly. But what he does for Dallas, another guy who's a star in their role. And, and that's why he's been pretty successful up to this point. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not overly optimistic. If he had kind of shot a little bit more of a, a deeper, th- uh, not a deeper three, but more consistent three. Um, just in, in a way to say, okay, there's more to it if he's limited on the offensive end um, athletically or, or the defensive end for sure. Um, and we don't know. You know. And the guy, like I said, he's 29. Um, he'll be 29 for the majority of the season when he comes back, of course, to play. But for, for someone that fills a very skill for Dallas, it's it just it's wonder if he's going to be able to continue that moving forward. Um, but let's kind of run through I, I guess one main, one more main guy and then these other three. So um, Dorian Finney-Smith, you have him for another year, 27, uh, a four year, a four million dollar contract. I mean, Justin Jackson, Boban Marjanovic, and Jalen Brunson. And all these guys, I don't even know why I said uh, these. All these guys had big parts um, uh, just moving forward. But but what do you think about those last three, uh, Finney Smith, um, Marjanovic, and Brunson? And and I guess you got to start with Brunson because I know you did mention that his injury, you know, toward the end of the, of the year was a big loss for Dallas. Yeah, I think, you know, again, these are, these are all guys who have team-specific value. Of course, if you can find upgrades, then you upgrade. I think for Dorian Finney-Smith, the biggest thing about him is that he offers defensive defensive versatility for a team that lacks defensive presence in general. Like Maxie and, and um, Dorian are two are, are two of the more defensive-minded players they actually have on the roster. But again, like I said about Dorian, he actually upped his three-point making. He actually became a better defensive presence. Um, he was averaging only 9.5 points per game. But considering the fact that his – 
points per game has steadily climbed since he's been in since he's been in Dallas just shows steady improvement. And if he can continue to improve, that just increases his value even more. And for a league that is going such um, wing heavy with all the pace and space and playing multiple guards, um, you're, you need you need guys that can defend those positions. And for Dallas, he's a guy who helps on the defensive end, um, can guard twos, threes and occasionally guard small ball fours. So they need him, and he has to be out there for them. Um, Mar- Mar- Marjanovic, he's really – I mean, ultimately, <laughs> Dallas is an up-tempo team. He's yeah. not – Bobin's not necessarily your guy who you want in an up-tempo setting, but he showed his value in the playoffs. When the game slows down, he can be a mismatch nightmare. You're not running your entire offense through him, but you better respect him. You better get a body on him on the boards. And he's an underrated passer out of the post. Like he doesn't, you're not facilitating around him, but he's a guy who knows how to see the floor. That's extremely valuable as well. And then Jalen Brunson is another guy who maybe he doesn't, he's not as much of a score as he is just a table setter for everyone else. But if you can get him on the court with Seth Curry in your second unit, or on nights you start Seth Curry and let's say you, you know, you draft Cole Anthony and now you have Cole Anthony and Jalen Brunson while they're undersized, but they, you got a guy who can get someone the ball and you have a scoring guard on the court. That's just firepower that, you know, for Dallas is, is just money in the bank. And for them, the biggest thing is just being ready for next year's free agency class. And so you don't want to get too aggressive with trying to upgrade at a ton of different positions this year. You like where you were, you finished seventh, and like I say, the the whole what if factor hovers over the team. If they yeah. stay healthy, how much higher could they have been? Because they have been a five seed. But ultimately, I don't know if they're a bona fide title contending team next year without making any major um any major transitions. But if you can bring back the same team with some of these same guys, and then they improve, and maybe you add a piece or two, that keeps you competitive. That puts you back in the playoff hunt. And if you end up, you know, four, five, or six. Once you get in the playoffs, and if you got another guy that can run with, I mean, run with uh, Luca, anything can happen. That it, it won't, it won't matter because when you have a guy who can dominate in the fashion that that Luca can dominate, mm-hmm. you'll always have a shot. So if they can, so that should be the big key for them offseason. Bring everyone back, and the and including the guys you just mentioned, it doesn't hurt to have them back unless you can just find a clear cut upgrade. But I just don't see that happening. No, I'm with you on that. Feels like they're going to be pretty static moving forward in terms of how far they can go with who they have now. And so I'm with you in, in complete agreement with a, a, a team that it was pretty solid. And, and with that, I guess we kind of got to go to the free agency. Now we have two player options that I think in this market they most certainly will pick up. But let's start with them first. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., player option 18 mil. And then Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, player option of 2 mil. Um both um, Tim Hardaway, 28, had a breakout year for Dallas, uh, or m- maybe breakout is the word. Maybe a renaissance is, is the better word for it. Um, and then what Willie Cauley-Stein, I think he came in for a specific reason. Don't know how well he kind of filled that need, but both of those guys uh, have options. I, I assume they will pick both up. Do, would you prefer that they pick both up? Uh, would you hope that one doesn't? What, what are your thoughts on, on their years and their uh, free agency status? Um, I think they'll pick up on both. I mean, I think for them looking looking at how Dwight Powell progresses, I think that would it, that would kind of influence on whether or not 
they pick up Willie Colley Stein's um, option. But I think they, I think he stays because I don't think they can rely on Dwight Powell um, mm-hmm. to start the year. So just from a depth perspective, they'll need him. Um, they'll need him to stick around. But Tim Hardaway Jr. I think for a guy who you know showed that he can play in an efficient, meaningful offense. Because you know when he's playing in New York, the you know the knock on on them is just it's a it's a glamorized AAU game, and and all those points are just empty calories from everybody. No one's really out there playing um, purposeful basketball, so it's almost like every man for himself. But he proved in Dallas that he can be a guy that can contribute in a winning fashion. So, so, um, so you definitely want to bring him back, and they don't have a, enough talent to not bring a guy like him back. I think you need to have keep that core in place until you can find better, and then also you can add him in trade packages um, and whatever you're trying to do for the future. Um, that will help you as that will help you as well. So you you bring back a guy like that because you're still trying to keep the team afloat. You still want to maintain being competitive. You're not trying to um, tank for next year. So I think mm-hmm. I, I, and, I, and and his cash doesn't you know break the bank. So I think you bring him back at this point. Okay, I'm with you on that. I mean, both guys, uh, especially in terms of Tim Hardaway, I was really impressed with Willie Colley Stein. I think would have had more of his moments. Uh, but I, I think he was brought in to kind of bring uh or kind of bring what Dwight Powell had in terms of that kind of ver- verticality at the rim um putting pressure that way being a pick and roll partner so that was interesting but let's look at these other guys who are unrestricted and, and two of them are kind of long in the tooth you got Courtney Lee at 35 and JJ Bray at 36 um and then you also have Michael Kidd Gilchrist who had some minutes in the playoffs actually I think it was like 42 in that first round as a kind of defensive specialist who actually knocked down a couple of threes but these guys, uh, no matter where they go, end of the bench for sure. What do you think about uh, Courtney Lee, J.J. Barea, and Mikel, uh, Michael Gilchrist? Couldn't say his name again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think – well, I think J.J. Barea, he might get what I call the OG pass, which is kind of uh, like he done <laughs> in Miami. Um, they bring yeah, his, his value been done. Yeah, you know, he's more he's more of a, a mentor. He's more of a guy you have in the locker room. He knows the culture. He's been in Dallas – um, practically his whole career. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of an extension of the coaches, so to speak. So you keep him at the end of the bench just for, um, you know, just for, for locker room health, so to speak. Um, I think you let, gotta let Michael Kidd Gilchrist walk while he did show some promising, um, he showed some promising ability in the playoffs. Like I said, we've never seen him, you know, be able to knock down a three, but he did, you know, he does offer, um, defensive, uh, offer a defensive presence, but for a team that's just stacked with more established guys in the rotation, it just doesn't necessarily fit in the cards to bring him back. So I think you just let him walk. He's not a guy that you're necessarily putting a um, priority on to keep. So if so if he goes, he goes. I mean, and you'll, you're, like I said, you, you're going to draft somebody at either the 18th spot or either the 31st spot that'll mm-hmm. fill in at the end of the bench where he was anyway. He wasn't in the rotation on a nightly basis. So I don't think it necessarily uh, matters one way or the other. If they bring him back, he's not going to play a lot of minutes. So why not just let him go? Makes perfect sense. And then, and then Courtney Lee, you, you think, I mean, I, I want Courtney Lee. I mean, he's been injured and battling stuff, but I really want him to find a spot. If probably not in Dallas, just somewhere we can come off the bench, maybe knock down some threes. He's no longer that three or D guy. I didn't realize he was 35 and, you know, at, it's kind of long on the two to four shooting guard. That's not like a star or anything, but I really hope he finds another spot in this league. Yeah, no, I definitely hope so too. Um, I just don't think it'll be in Dallas. I think, you know, like I say, if, 
you get uh, Maxi or Cole Anthony, one of these guys in the draft, they might end up getting those, you know, those spare minutes that maybe he would have gotten. Um, he was not necessarily available for a large part of the year, so we don't really know if he has a, an established role or um, or a fit in the um, in the team rotation that they're that they're looking forward to having um, for next year. So it's not a really a priority to um, to have him back um, this upcoming season. No, makes perfect sense for sure, for sure. And I guess with that being said, kind of covering um, the players and the free agents, let's kind of go into the draft. I, I, Dallas has the 18th pick in the first round. Um, they have the 31st pick in the second round from Golden State. Not really seeing a whole else, a whole lot else there in terms of draft capital. But what do you think about? not a specific player unless you have one, in which case, of course, like feel free to share that. But if you think Dallas will keep the pick or if they won't, if they won't offset it, what should they do in terms of, like I said, not a specific player an archetype of one? See, uh, I think they're in a, they're in a unique spot where if they can find a suitor for both of those picks to move up a little further, sure. You do that. Um, do I think that they will realistically no. So at this point, I think if if I'm thinking a dream scenario for me, so, so the guys that I have on my radar, if they can get uh, a precious Achiwa from that came out of Ooh, Memphis, I like that. Yeah. If, if he falls to Dallas, they should run to the to they should run to the podium and get him as fast as they can. Um, if R.J. Hampton falls to that spot. I'm really a big R.J. Hampton fan. I think he's a guy who's been underrated, you know, and when these guys play in different leagues and necessarily they don't play in college, they can they kind of get lo- lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a guy who has big-time ability to produce off the bench because, again, for Dallas, it's all about offensive firepower. So he's a guy who would provide that. And then Precious is a guy who gives you offensive firepower but some defensive presence. Now, granted, he would be a rookie, so you're not looking for him to be a lockdown guy. But, again, these guys are playing in the second unit. And maybe they play starter minutes here and there throughout the year. But again, you just get solid contributors. So that would be in. Um, and if Tyrese Maxey, he's another guy who I feel like can come off the bench and be a scorer for them and uh, and play in that system at the 31st pick. The only guy that I really like that could be there is Isaiah Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um Big motor guy, seven four wingspan, doesn't have elite athleticism, but I love his tenacity. I love how rugged he plays. Dallas is a finesse team. They need a little bit of they need a little bit of that um, grit and grind from somebody on that team, other than Joel. <laughs> um, so if you can get that out of a guy like that, and he'll you know he shoots he shoots uh, respectably from the, from the fr- uh, free throw line. I think he's at like seventy seven percent. But just another guy who can come in and contribute in, in, in multiple ways. And so if you can do that, I think you I think you pull the trigger. But if unless you can move up further, I don't know how ecstatic teams would be to move back and take the 18th and 31st pick. But obviously, if you can move up and assure yourself getting a precious Achiwa, um, then you do it. But if he falls to you at 18, hurry up and send that in. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I like him as a fit, just an athletic kind of high motor rim running big that I think you're right. Young, you know, a, a team control contract moving forward can kind of grow with these guys. Uh, has a little bit of a shot maybe that he can kind of flash as well. Yeah, I, I like that pick for sure. Um, 
And that's nice. I mean, you you actually had your draft board laid out too. I like that. Yeah, this is all <laughs> this, this is all for the hoop ball math. So I had to make sure that I had some guys on my radar that I, I really liked that would that would mesh well with their crew. Mavs Nation, you, you, that's why you got the best up here as your host on this end, y'all. <laughs> for <Yes>. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um what what do you think as far as uh their plan of attack in terms of we kind of covered the draft, if they're gonna make themselves available for more picks, they're definitely not taking on another contract that's like onerous or anything but are there any free agent targets that you think uh the Mavs will pursue or that you want them to pursue obviously there's already been talk about them looking for another kind of guard contributor to help out take some pressure off of Luka Doncic that being a, a place of need that at least the Mavericks have ascertained uh what have you thought about that in terms of the available free agents and who you would like to see um Dallas go after and, and who you think that they will yeah see I really want them you know I there's a few guys but for me I think they should have their sights set on one guy and one guy only. And okay. Then I don't know how realistic it is that he get they get him. He might be looking for money. And for me, when I think about the, you know, when I think about the. Team, maybe he takes a little less Dallas. They can offer him the mid-level exception, but. I don't know if he's going to take it. It's at like 9.2 for Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he accepts it, considering that maybe he doesn't see them as a title contending team. So maybe he wants a little more money. Dallas could offer him a little more money, but I don't know how much more money they're willing to give him. And comp- see, but mm-hmm. he should be a priority because he fits into exactly what they want. I mean, he shot a career high from the three. Um, he's still a shot blocker. He gives them a much needed defensive presence on the front court. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's another and again, he's another guy they need that is rugged. I mean, they just they just don't have a lot of guys that. They they need to, to try to find more guys that um, that are that are willing to be in the trenches like that. And I think Serge Ibaka is one of those guys, but he fits into what they do because he can shoot the ball from the field. He's also a veteran presence for such a young team that hasn't really gone far. So he's a guy who can, you know, offer um, playoff experience, offer championship level experience. Um, so he should be a, he should be who they're. Mm-hmm. Not going to Not- break the bank. Uh-huh. Get it. But if he is, you might have to move on. But that's my number one target in free agency for Dallas. I like that one. I, I do. I think that's a good fit. You're right. Another guy who has some offensive versatility defensively can be like a culture setter. Um, and it kind of depends on where he goes. You're right. I, I've heard rumors they might go to Houston, but that was before the drama that's unfolded there. Will he return to Toronto with them trying to make room for Giannis and maintain flexibility? Probably not. So maybe Dallas is that group that says, you know, hey, you know, we'll give you a contract that works and, and we'll figure out how we can make you fit. And honestly, you fit like a hand in the glove in terms of being able to shoot the three, being able to be a decent pick and pop threat, someone to um, bring some toughness and versatility on the defensive end. I like that. I like that. And someone who, you know, he's 31, but he can kind of still play like a two or three year kind of deal with them and still get some of his prime skills, especially since I think those skills are the most transferable as he ages. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm with you on that. All right. So, I mean, looking at them going to next season. Uh, obviously, we don't think it's another year development. Is this an attempt to turn the corner um, to a more competitive unit that is, like, finals contending? Do we still see another second-round exit? I mean, obviously, they will make the playoffs next year, uh, barring any significant injury. 
but where do where do we see Dallas kind of hunting for? Are they, you know, a tough second round conference finals out? Do you think they're still a year or two away from that level just yet? Uh, where do you see Dallas going? Um, I think that I think they'll be similar to last year. And for me, I always say this about the playoffs. While, you know, teams can be in certain positions, but again, styles make fights. And so just depending on who they play will depend on how far they go. I don't think they're just a slam dunk, um, you know, Western Conference Finals team or, you know, a tough, I think they're definitely a team that that should get to the second round. They are a beyond first round level team. But beyond that, I don't I think it will depend on how how well this roster looks going into next season, how well guys are performing. Um, if they're all systems go in terms of everyone being available. I think they definitely should be a team that can get to the second round. Beyond that, it will just determine on what they look like coming out of this offseason, who they've uh, picked up, the additions they may have. That will all play a key factor. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be something to look forward to um, just moving forward on them. Uh, But let's kind of go to the superlatives now that we kind of got Dallas just in a nutshell. I'm going to ask this, and I'm pretty sure it's pretty, It's going to be an easy one. The, who's Dallas' best player? <laughs> and, and why And why is it Luka Doncic? There you go. I, we already discussed it for most of it, but I, I, for posterity's sake, I got to ask the same questions to every team. <laughs> oh, man. I think, we all, I think we all know that's a slam dunk. It's Luka. It's Luke. I mean, at this point, I mean, is he just – are we just at, at a first-name basis for him now? I mean, I don't think we need to say it. We've got to be. And not to mention, he's the only Luca we know in in basketball. So who else could be? Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's Luca for all the reasons we've detailed um, throughout this um, hoop ball slash you know uh, hoop ball fantasy pod. <laughs> um, all right. Um, but you know, for 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 just the sake of you know it being obvious, we know it, it's the best player is Luca. And he's the he's the the catalyst of this team. He's he's what makes this team go. He's what makes Rick Carlisle in contention for coach of the year. Um, but it works both ways. I think he he got with a coach who is a mastermind at the at, at, at you know dialing up um, offenses for different skill guys. But he's also an all world talent. So when you put those two together, it's just a match made in heaven. And, and he's easily their best player. Definitely, definitely. Let's kind of go to the worst player. And I used to just say who's doubt, who's this team's X team's worst player, period. But I changed that because there was some you could just kind of pick it off the end of the bench, off the very end of the bench. So now I'm going the worst player receiving at least semi-significant minutes. And the best example I could give is think Patrick McCall with the Raptors last year. Like someone who gets minutes on the floor and you're just like, but why? Like, who is that guy on Dallas for you? Yeah, um, man, I, I really hate to do this to my to my hoopball Mavs um, crew, Give but them what they want. It, but it's pro- it's probably Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, he's not bad, he's not great, but at the same time, he's necessary because they don't have any other options, and what he provides, they don't have much of on the team. Yeah. So he's forced into heavier minutes than um, than maybe they would like. But with all that being said, he's he's you know, he's improved tremendously each year. That's all you can ask out of guys is to develop. Um, and like I said, they're, um the coaching staff over there has done a good job with developing some of their some of their talent that they've kept around. And he's a guy who's steadily gotten better each year. So. So uh, so I have to give him credit there. But in terms of a guy who plays more minutes than necessary, I mean, but there's a couple other guys who are in contention. 
Um, yeah. You know, maybe JJ Barea is past what he could really provide for a team. Um, every time he comes in the game, I'm I'm just I don't I don't understand why. If it, if Jalen Brunson is not hurt, he should n- not really enter a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but again, he's another guy who fits the system, knows what they want to do, and he's not necessarily out there to provide anything other than stability. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you ain't getting on the defensive, and that's for sure. Right, exactly. So, um, so I, I, I think I fully understand that. So I think those two guys would probably be my pick for worst player. And, and I know it has a negative connotation, but I don't mean to, to put it that way. It's just the, the nature of what the roster looks like. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, for sure. I asked that just because I, I we always go on the, everything's bright and this and this. But I'm like, hey, let's let's also be realistic on some of these guys and kind of see, you know, um, how we feel about that. So. I'm glad we were able to kind of get that, especially with a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, who is essential, you know, to what Dallas does. But, you know, he's their worst player getting any kind of significant minutes. He's their Pat McCaw. Um, yeah. <laughs> going to the player with the highest potential. I mean, it has to be Luka, right? But how good do you think he can be? Can he be best player in the NBA? Um, yes, I do think he can be best player in the NBA. Um, and, and this is a little twofold, what I'm going to say. Well, for one, I'll say yes. Because of his current ability and because of what he can continue to become, yes, he can be a um, he does have the highest uh, potential. But another guy on their team that I feel can just who has the ability to elevate, maybe they will never be what um, Luca is. But if he continues to ascend, he can be a a really you know valuable piece for Dallas and a mainstay on the roster, and that's Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. I think I think at times he was underutilized. I think that he can do a little more than what Rick Carlisle has allowed him to do at times, and I think he's a, I think he is the guy on their team that is sometimes just left out the dry when there's been so many games where I'm watching and he's on fire and then he just doesn't get the ball for the next four possessions, and he's a guy who can run off four, five, six threes but you just don't really run much for him or you just don't let him have the ball as much. I don't think he's as creative with the ball as a Fred Van Vliet, but at the same time, like I said, he has underrated playmaking ability and it's not necessarily always about him getting a shot. I think he can create shots for others. And so I think that he has potential. um, I think his, uh, I think his opportunity and potential is higher than maybe what the Mavs realize it is. And I know he's been in the league for a minute now and, it's you know it's perceived that you know after a few after a few years you are who you are and while he is but I think when you go to certain systems that cater to what you do well I think it can take you to another level and he's the guy who I feel like can be that for Dallas. There's more of a ceiling there for him, a higher a yeah, higher ceiling. Exactly. I, I'm with you on that. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, let's go to um a player who's most likely to be next. Player most likely to be moved next season is probably Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. I think I think if they hold on to him, I think they're still looking to upgrade with the secondary playmaker. And it could be as early as this year. I mean, there's rumblings of them trying to maybe uh, pull in Oladipo. Um, If that happens, that's a no brainer. That's an upgrade for them. Um, um, And and, and like I say, with the with the free agency class next year, I think they're trying to clear the books and they're trying to make make, you know, as much space as possible to make a run at whoever they feel like they want to go get. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. The big fish are always the of course guys. But I just know that for his, what, for his contract and for what they're probably trying to do, 
it just like he just it, it's very easy to see that he's probably not the future, um, uh, not the future with Dallas Mavericks as a backcourt mate with Luca. They're looking for somebody who's more of a playmaker and he doesn't necessarily offer that. He's more of a spot up shooter, a guy who's one or two dribble pull up type of guy. And um, and they're looking to upgrade that position. And that's not a secret. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Completely agree with you on that, man. All right, let's go to a, a player that folks are really sleeping on. And I mean, you kind of mentioned a little bit with Seth Curry, but are there anyone else that you're like, hey, you know, media, national kind of look at them, but they don't really look at them? I think, um, you know, I, funny enough, I think it's Dwight Powell. I think that he's a guy who meshes well with what they do. He was really having a he was having a really good season. It was beyond the numbers. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. about him putting up gaudy numbers or doing anything um, that's going to show up in the box score. It's more so about the fact. It's more so about the fact that how he was fitting with the team and how he was performing on a nightly basis, giving them um, a defensive presence. Like I say, he's extremely athletic for his size um, and he can get out and he can get out in transition and finish. And that's a team that play that wants to play up tempo. And so I think with him getting hurt, he kind of just got lost in the shuffle and no one really got to see him. And I think he would have showed up well if people could have saw him, saw him play in the bubble. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You're right. Gotten more of an opportunity to flourish. Definitely helped them with their big rotation against the Clippers. All right, let's go to a, I call it a no, 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 yes player. And I usually, um, one example I have is at a Game 7 2010 NBA Finals, um, Ron Artest hit a three with like a minute and a half left in the game over Paul Pierce. Uh, Kobe had given him a pass off a double team, and he jabs up Pierce and then loaded up for three. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> and then it goes, and I'm like, yes, let's go. And he's blowing kisses, and it's all good. Um, what player on the Mavs is best like that? <laughs> I think that is, I think that is Boban, and and I think you know everyone wow, loves him. Okay. He's 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 a very likable guy. Um, but when you see him get the ball in the post, you're just kind of like, I mean, not me because I I watch Mavs basketball at this of point. Of course, lot, yeah. So it's not me, but I think. For the casual fan, when they see him throw the ball down into him and he takes a couple of drop step dribbles, it's kind of like, oh, my God, what's about to happen? What's about to happen? And then mm-hmm. and then he turns and he can shoot the little left hand baby hook, right hand baby hook. He has a really soft touch. He can shoot from the free throw line. It looks a little clunky, but it's cash. Um, <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so that's one of those guys where you where when he gets the ball, you're probably, you know, cringing a little bit. But then then he's being effective and you just kind of, you kind of warm up to him like, Oh, I guess this guy can play. So that would probably be the guy I would categorize that way. Um, but he's, he, but he's effective. I mean, his numbers are great for the limited time that he plays. I'm much on that for sure. For sure. And you're right. I mean, I don't think when he gets in the post, but now that you're describing it, I can see it. And it's hilarious to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we don't do our final two Lawrence. Um, the top two guys you go to when the game's on the line. I used to just do the one player, but I think I kind of got way too simple. And we, and with this team, again, we kind of know the one guy you go to when the game's on the line. That's Luca. Who's the second guy you go, okay, hey, we need a bucket. Go give it to us. I think it's Seth Curry. I think for that team. Wow. I think he's a – now, it's easy to say um, Porzingis. But the thing about Porzingis is you can't just give him the ball. He needs to finish a play rather than initiating, starting, and facilitating a play. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you have to put him in that role, he's going to be less effective. He can finish uh, for sure, but if you want a guy who's going to keep your options open in, while the clock's winding down, 
keep the ball in Luca's hands or give the ball to Seth Curry in a pick and roll set and let him make a decision because he can shoot it from the outside. We know that. And like I say, he's an underrated playmaker. And um, and I'm just I'm uh, watching him play. I just know that he can give more if he's allowed to do more. Yeah, that I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, I figure that it would be interesting with Porzingis because I agree with you. He can't make his own shot. A lot of it is dependent on what he's set up with. You know what I mean? What he's given to work with. So, but then I was looking, I'm like, oh, well, who else on Dallas is a go-to guy or even close to that? So that's interesting that you put Seth. I'm glad we kind of went in that direction. Um, who are the top two guys you go to when you need a clutch stop? Um, I think it's either, that's either Dorian Finney-Smith or Maxi Kleber. Um, there mm-hmm. was times where, where Maxi was defending and his number, his offensive numbers were dropping in the playoffs. And, you know, everyone was probably, you know, I'd see online and, you know, Mass Moneyball and, and different people in, in um, different comments. And everyone's, you know, down on Maxi because he's not shooting the ball as well as he did in the regular season. But you have to realize he was defending Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> he's defending uh, Marcus Morris. He's sometime uh, guarding Paul George like they were putting him on multiple big time shot makers. And th- that's going to take your legs from up under you. And if you're not accustomed to. And defending those guys, um, you know, multiple possessions or even multiple games, and then you're turning around on offense and you're being pressed into being a scorer as opposed to just fitting in into what you do, um, it's gonna it's gonna hamper your your performance. And for him, that was the case. But he can defend, and that's what he's that's what he's known for first and foremost. And same thing with Dorian Finney-Smith. So if you need a stop, you need to have both of those guys in the game because they can guard multiple positions, and they're the only two guys on the um, on the roster that you can confidently feel good about on the defensive end. Yeah, that defensive versatility between the two, I agree with you. It's it's pretty huge, and I mean that's that's where they got right now. And you're right, I do remember a lot of those open threes in the corner. Um, on the one hand, they're going, bro, you got to knock those down. The other hand, like, well, he is chasing George after screen after screen. And the other hand being, you know, just bumping in the post with Kawhi. That does, like you said, take your legs out. So that makes a lot of sense, man. But any part and thoughts on the Mavs? Anything you want to say to the Mavs Nation? Obviously, uh, there's a simul podcast here, a dual podcast with Hoopball Mavs. So whatever you want to give to your, your listeners there. Um, well, yeah, you know, with, and shout out to my Hoopball Mavs Nation guys. Um and all the hoop ball guys just in general. But um, as we get going into, as we're ramping up for this season, just look for more um, pods coming our way. Um, I'll start to talk about, we'll talk, we'll get more into free agency. We'll get more into once the schedule has been finalized, what it looks like for them, um, the win totals for the season. Um, we'll start to talk about how the how the roster is, is, is finalized, how that looks, what that looks like going into the season, how they can maximize their abilities um, on the season. And we'll just talk about the, the, the team in general. And I think as, now that we know the season is is um, ramping back up, Hootball Mavs will be ramping back up. So you'll hear a lot more um, chatter from me as the um, as everything starts to materialize throughout this shortened offseason. Hey, man, I appreciate that. Hoopball fans, uh, especially Hoopball Mavs fans, you got some good content coming your way. Um, in terms of NBA Today, we're still doing off-season previews. We're going to have um, some fun guests um, on talking about the NBA draft. That is coming up fast, so we're going to be on that. And, uh, you know, we might be linking up with Lawrence a, a lot sooner than later, so stay tuned on that one for sure. Um, Lawrence, man, thanks a lot for coming on, bro. I do appreciate you as always, and we got to do it again sometime. You know we will. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. It was it was uh it was great timing because I was already getting ready to gear up for a hoop ball uh, mass pot. Uh-huh. Um, Dan texted me and was asking me about it, and I was like, "Well, 
actually we're doing one <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> and so <laughs> who's better to have on than uh than Corbin when he's doing his um his NBA pods and it was just already a, a match made in perfect timing. So um I appreciate it. Hey man, always. Me the man's expert, man. You know your hoops. I love having you on. We're gonna do this again real soon. But uh before we bounce y'all, definitely make sure to check out my bookie. My bookie's a proud partner of Hoop Ball. Join today and my bookie will match a deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free uh, $10 MLB future wager. Although, I think that's kind of right now because baseball's done. But just stay tuned because you never know. It could come back. You don't know. But just to get that future wager and everything in, enter the promo code HoopBall when signing up. Uh, definitely, I said HoopBall when signing up. Promo code for my bookie. Check that out. Also, hit up uh, HoopBall Fantasy. Um, hit up Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. He has more information on that as well. My bookie, man, they accept the bets on everything. It's it's a good time to sign up, and we have some of the best to ever do it on hoop ball that are uh, able to help you out with that to kind of get you that winning edge. That's not me. I'm not the guy. So y'all know, uh, y'all want to win, right? So go to the hoop ball experts there. But uh, definitely make sure to check that out. Until then, man, uh, you know Lawrence, yeah, stay frosty, my friend. I'm gonna stay frosty. Y'all stay frosty. We gonna talk to y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.